inside black to gold. And I'm honestly, I have nothing else to say about the Saints, so I'm going to complain about the officiating or... I'm Jeff Nowak. This is Inside Black and Golden. So, yes, anyone who watched the Super Bowl last night, which did not include my fiance, because she went to a Tina Turner musical. Don't ask me why. She told me on Friday she was going to go, and I said, during the Super Bowl? And she said, yeah. And we were in an Uber at the time. And I was like, that's... What? What? She was like, why? Is that is that is that bad? And I was like, well... No, but it's basically like, it's like you're skipping a holiday. And she was like, what? The Super Bowl? And then the Uber driver was like, oh, I'm on his side. And so she backed down. But then she still went to the Tina Turner musical because she had tickets already. Anyway. But yeah, like Pat Mahomes has been in three Super Bowls in the last four years. Two of them have been very good. One was not good. That was the one the Bucks won. The, the Chiefs got beaten up. They came back from 10 points down in 2019 to beat the 49ers. They came back from 10 points down in 2022 to beat the Eagles. And man, Pat Mahomes, I'm not sure if he's human. That run late in the game, I kept waiting for his, his leg to snap or something. Like he just he wasn't running very fast, but he was kind of had the, the like Super Mario legs churning. He got he got where he needed to go. But you know what what stood out in that game, obviously, and what everyone's gonna remember today and next week and a month from now is the defensive holding call. In the final minute of the game, third down, Eagles are trying to get a stop, force a field goal, get a chance to drive for a game-tying field goal themselves, and it never happened. The Chiefs were able to run the clock down to about eight seconds, kick that field goal. And the question is, should that call get made there? And, you know, obviously, being in this market and having watched the no-call happen in person, you have a bit of sympathy for a team getting completely screwed over on a call, right? Like you saw it happen in the Saints game with Nikel Rolby Coleman just decleating Tommy Lee Lewis well before the ball got there and the refs just having a combined moment of temporary insanity and saying bang bang play. Like that's like that that's a thing. But I don't have sympathy for for a team that commits a foul and gets it called against them. And that's where it kind of annoyed me. And and I think I blame I blame Greg Olson for this. And I will say that I really do like Greg Olson. I think he does an excellent job. There's a reason he's calling the Super Bowl. But I think he whiffed there. And the reason being, when you're in that situation, and Mike Pereira is telling you, no, that's a hold. He grabbed his jersey as he got out of the break. It has to be called. And you're still saying, I don't know, I don't know. You're just encouraging people watching at home to be like, yeah, the refs, it's rigged, it's rigged, blah, blah, blah. But like you watch that replay and from the broadcast angle, yes, it doesn't look like he did anything. And in a lot of cases, people are looking at the wrong part of the play because if the hold was called when he was chasing them downfield, I would 100% agree that that was a bad call, but that's not where the hold got called. The hold comes at the top of the route, right? Juju Smith-Schuster breaks in, comes back on the whip, and James Bradbury is going the wrong way, and he is going to get run away from, and that is going to be a complete pass for a touchdown, right? Like, like if there's no foul there, Juju Smith-Schuster is running by himself toward the end zone, and the game probably ends there anyway, right? And so what James Bradbury does, and what James Bradbury admitted to doing, which is the wild thing to me, James Bradbury was like, yeah, I held him. And people are still telling me, oh, it wasn't a hold. He reaches out with his right hand, grabs Juju Smith-Schuster's jersey from behind, and pulls himself toward Juju and pulls Juju back toward him, right? And so, like, 
that's a hold. <laughs> it's the definition of a hold. And you can see it clearly from the sideline angle. You can see his hand get on the jersey and pull it. And, like, if you are the ref and you're looking at that, you're throwing a flag. I don't understand this conversation about, like, well, if you're calling the game a certain way, it's like, no, you're calling holds. That is a hold. And it changed the play, right? Like, it's not incidental contact. It's not contact that did not impact the play. It's a freaking hold. And, like, I, I saw a few people being like, well, they, I, I, well, the Saints fans would agree. And I'm like, no. I don't think they would, because if you're a Saints fan, you should want the obvious penalties to be called, right? If the obvious penalties got called, the Saints would have been in a Super Bowl. So I don't have sympathy for the Eagles. Like, all we do is complain about the officiating, right? All we do is complain about the officiating. They got the call right. How are we complaining? Because the refs called a foul that was a foul, like, I get it. I don't want to see a game end on a call either. But the AFC Championship ended on a very correct late hit. That was the right call. The rules don't stop existing because it's the final minute and not calling it would make for a better ending. Right? <laughs> that was the right call. This was a hold. It was the right call. I don't know if I've ever seen a defender just come out and be like, yeah, I did it. I held him. They're right. Like, even Nikel Roby Coleman was like, oh, yeah, I blew him up. But the ref said it was okay. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, guys, all you can ask for is for the refs to call the play right. Like, if you're the Chiefs and you end up losing that game because the refs are like, well, it's too big a moment to call the obvious penalty that I'm staring at, then what are we trying to do? Like, you can only ask for so much. And to me, the limit is get the calls right. There's no nuance in terms of like, well, I want this finish to be better. Like, I've heard people say phantom holding call. I've, I've seen screenshots of the wrong point of the play, which like you, you can't see it from that angle. So it didn't happen. Like, it's just, it, I don't know. It's annoying to me because I thought that game was actually pretty well officiated, right? Like, I think they did let them play for a lot of it. But like in a major moment when you get beat, and you grab a guy by the back of the jersey and pull him towards you. It's a hold. It's a hold. I know, like, I don't want to see the Super Bowl end on the play like that either. But, like, the reason he held is because he knew he got beat. So, if you're the offensive player, and that's why Greg Olson surprised me. Because <laughs> he's an offensive player. He played tight end. He must be getting hold. He's been getting held his whole career. You got to want that call if you're the offense. Because if not for that hold, he probably catches a touchdown. <laughs> so, I don't know. And And, like, I get it. That was a great game. I don't think the the holding call ruined that game. I think the call was right. And you kind of just go with it. But like it is wild to me seeing how many people are saying like, "Man, they should have the ability to to replay that." <laughs> I'll go, "Yeah, you think so?" Um, but even if they did, they wouldn't have overturned that call. Like not in the slightest. That call is not getting overturned. That call they're going to go and they're going to look at it and be like, oh yeah, you see that handful of Jersey? <laughs> That's a hold. <laughs> like, I honestly wish that they could have been able to challenge that call because you would have gotten all the angles and they would have showed you the reverse angle with James Bradbury getting beat and clearly grabbing him and pulling him back. Like, is that what happened? <laughs> but in this case, we're just going to pretend that because we only see the broadcast angle that it didn't happen. And uh, I don't know, guys, like, 
if it wasn't there, I would have been just as mad as everybody else, but it was there. That was a hold. The player admitted to it. <laughs> the refs after the game were like, yeah, there was no question. It was a hold. And like, there is an interesting conversation to be had about like, well, they didn't call it all game. And I mean, I don't know if they called it like they, they didn't call defensive holding all game, but I didn't see instances of guys just pulling jerseys, right? Like there was a play that James Bradbury didn't get called earlier in the game for a like a very similar play where he grabbed Juju Smith-Schuster's arm and kind of yanked him and twisted him. And and it was an incomplete pass. And like, yeah, that should have been a flag too. But I do think that there are subtleties to that type of play where if you're grabbing a guy by the arm, it's a lot more difficult to see than you having a fistful of a white Jersey that gets pulled away from his body. Right? Like I can't see the impact of you grabbing a guy's arm for for a second and kind of turning him, but I can see a guy's jersey get pulled away from his body. So that's a much more obvious call to make, and that's why it gets made there. But, yeah. I'm not here defending the officiating any more than I have to, but like I do think that in order to be taken seriously when the refs do actually fuck up, which they do, we should at least like admit, like, okay while it sucks that they called that in that moment, could they have ignored it? Yes. Was it a foul? Yes. There are far worse incidences of actual mess ups that if we react to every late game call as if it is a travesty to the game of football, even when they're calling a foul that was real, then what are we doing? I don't know. That's kind of my take. And again, like as someone who watched the no call, and it's still, it's still dumbfounded as to how that call doesn't get made. I cannot in good conscience tell you that I don't think that they should call an obvious foul in a situation like that. <laughs> and, and, and like to the ref standing there with a much better angle, I assure you, he got a perfect look at it. And that's why it got called. God, it, it makes me feel gross that I'm on the side of the officiating. But like I can't, I can't sit here and just commiserate with, with everyone saying the game is rigged because it's like, there's one way to solve that problem if you're the NFL and the Eagles. It's to not hold. And I mean, I'm not going to remember that game for the holding call. I'm going to remember that game because it was a fantastic game. Honestly, as someone who watches the Giants, I'm going to remember that game as the uh, God damn it, Kadarius Tony is pretty good, huh? Game? Wouldn't he be a nice guy to have on a team with no wide receivers? Oh, man. That guy. Like, no one's going to talk about Kadarius Tony. Uh, that punt return changed the game. That punt return down to the, to the four-yard line right after he scored a touchdown on that really cool little ghost motion play where he, he faked the motion in and the Eagles defender, I don't know who it was, he just bit hard on it and then he just kind of broke back outside and walked into the end zone. Next possession, Eagles punt, Kadarius Tony brings it down to the four-yard line. Like, what a mid-season acquisition, huh? To win a Super Bowl with a guy that you picked up midseason for nothing because he basically talked his way off the Giants. He basically hamstring injured his way off the Giants. That was a fun game. And, I mean, I don't care. Like, the Eagles had their chances. Like, people are complaining that they, that they didn't get called for, for an obvious penalty earlier in the game. And it's like, no, they got away with one. That doesn't, make it, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't call penalties the rest of the game because you screwed up one play. Honestly... It, it could be the reason it got called a second time because the refs were able to be like, oh yeah, you know what? That was a penalty and you're going to go forward, right? These guys study tape too. That's all I got.
good way to end the first season of Inside Black and Gold. I'm looking forward to some time without football. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. But, you know, I'm not as uh, I'm not going to be pessimistic about the upcoming season for the Saints. I'm really not. You know, I'd I'd like to see this regime succeed, right? Like that's the that's the thing that I think I w- I wish more fans would kind of just get on board with is like don't root for the team to fail just because you don't like the coach (laughs) right that's such toxic fanhood like why do you watch the games like what it's it's like it's like if this team was good i think there would be like a subset of the fan base that is upset because it means that the coach is not getting fired but it's like the team's good so why would you be upset in that scenario I, i don't know it's it's kind of fascinating how quickly so many people just decided that Dennis Allen is not it. And he might not be. But I'm just like, it's just kind of fascinating how quickly it happened. Because I think that there was some positivity. Like it wasn't like a, they, they hired Dennis Allen. It wasn't like everyone was like, oh man, what a terrible hire. I mean, some people were, but a majority of the fan base was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember week 15? Well, they won nine, nothing. He did a good job, right? Like the, he deserves it, you know? And then like by the end of training camp, by the end of week two, it was like, oh, no. No, get this guy out of here. <laughs> oh, it is interesting. And I think it's a personality thing. Like, I think he just doesn't he doesn't show emotions. He's a robot. And after years of having Sean Payton be, like, that very emotional team leader, kind of shifting to the Dennis Allen style of things was, was, was jarring. But again, and I said this all season, like, I spent a lot of time in that locker room. I never once got the impression, got the kind of feeling based on body language, based on conversations, based on interviews, based on just interactions that I witnessed. I never once got the feeling that like that locker room was splintering, that people were in there just kind of hating on DA. Obviously, Jameis had every reason in the world to to hate on DA, right? Like, and I never got that impression from him either. He was a very good He's a team player, right? Like he's a very good teammate. And I think that 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 was kind of my broad view of that locker room was everyone was pulling the same direction. And it's not that hard to spot when it's not happening, guys. Like go look at how the Browns season ended, right? Go look at how Jadevian Clowney was in there calling out his defensive coordinator, who's now the Saints defense coordinator, for like basically designing his offense so that Miles Garrett could, could eat. And then think about why wouldn't you design your offense so that my, like, like Miles Garrett is the star of that. I think I might've said offense. Obviously I meant defense. Like Miles Garrett is the star of that defense. Of course you're going to design things to try to get Miles Garrett opportunities. Like that's how it works. Right. And, and, and like, those are the type of kind of fracture moments, right? Like that you did not see with the saints team. And I don't know. You can get fired for losing games. And I think if, if Dennis Allen puts in another, you know, six and eleven, five and twelve season, even seven and ten, if it doesn't go well, like if it's seven and ten because of bad things and not just bad luck, like this season I would argue was, I could see him getting fired. But it's not gonna be because the team stopped playing for him, because that's just not what happened this year, and I don't think it's gonna be gonna be what happens next year. I think he has a lot to work on. Like, I think that's what I hope for him going into next season is he has taken the lessons from this season and and, and can push them toward 
improving all of that, right? Like I think that the way the quarterback room developed was a mistake. I think that this team wanted Deshaun Watson, thought they were going to get Deshaun Watson, and then when they didn't, they reeled. And they brought in Jameis Winston, even though Dennis Allen did not want Jameis Winston. And you can argue that like there was a bad decision to go with Andy Dalton over Jameis Winston. But I think what happened is and Dennis Allen never wanted Jameis. And he got talked into it. And then and then halfway through the season, you, he was like, man, I never wanted him in the first place, so I'm going to go with Andy. And whether that was the right decision or not, like that's what happened. And it's like you could have avoided that by not putting yourself in that situation. And... You know, I, I, I equate it to, to Ed Ogeron a lot. And while, you know, the, the full hindsight view of that tenure isn't probably what you want to be compared to, I do think that you see a lot of similarities in knowing how to build your, your, your situation around you, right? Like in his first season, he allowed Matt Canada to be the offensive coordinator because he got pressured to hire a big name. And that's what he did. It did not work out. And he said, no, I'm going to go with the guy I like and I trust and I understand. He brought in Steve Ensminger. He brought in Joe Brady. Joe Burrow became the the legendary Joe Burrow. We know he already had Jamar Chase. He already had Justin Jefferson. You understood how to build around it. And then year three, right? He had the interim. Then he had the, the rough season. Then he had year three. That's when everything kind of coalesced, right? And you knew you had the talent. You knew you had the ability. You knew you had the coaching staff. And it was just a matter of putting it all together. And that's what I hope for DA. Now, will DA be think of himself as a rock star and then start bringing girlfriends to practice? And I don't think so. So, so maybe it'll be more of a long-term success story if it happens. But, like, that's what you hope for. That's what you should hope for. Like, I don't know. That's just me. But all right. That's it. This segment kind of got weird, but thanks everyone for listening. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of Inside Black and Gold and for this season. We're going to come back with an episode on Friday as normal. Steve Geller is going to be back. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but we're going to talk about something and I'm going to, I'm going to have Steve come up with the ideas because uh, he's got to put in the work. Yeah. And if you have any ideas, if there's anything you want us to talk about, hit me up at Jeff underscore Nowak. Subscribe, obviously. Subscribe on YouTube at WWL Sports. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you're on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and leave us a review. Check us out on Facebook at WWL. Check us out on Twitter at WWL AMFM. And a new development, Steve Geller and I host the Friday edition of Sports Talk on WWL AM 870 FM 105.3 and on the free Odyssey app, which works a lot better now. So if you want to download it and check it out. I can recommend it because uh, it, it, had some, it had a rough it had a rough go, but they they made some updates, they made some tweaks, and it's working now. So, uh, so check it out if you tried it once and you were like, "Man, this is rough. I don't want to use it." Maybe give it another chance. It's going pretty well. But yeah, thanks everyone for listening this entire season. It's been a lot of fun, and I uh, look forward to doing it again. All right, y'all. Peace.